0: be still and know that god is here be still and know that god is here be still and know that god is here in the name of the creator redeemer and sustainer amen Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? (laughs) Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, We unconsciously give permission to others to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. My friends, you may recognize this excerpt from the book Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. I want to use it this morning to help frame an important reminder and maybe even an invitation into today's gospel lesson. When this passage from the fifth chapter of Luke is read in churches, Many preachers choose to focus on the theme of vocation, or calling, the important moment in life when one realizes what it is they are meant to do, as poet Mary Oliver says, with our one wild and precious life. There is no doubt this was a seminal moment for Simon and his fishing buddies, James and John. The final six words of the passage make this clear. They left everything and followed him. From that moment on, their lives were forever changed. Their vocation became clear as followers of Jesus. So there is absolutely nothing wrong, and in fact, much that is worthy about sermons that focus on drawing the connections of vocation and discernment in our own lives as well. Each of us has known difficult times in our lives when we have wondered about our path, our destiny, questioned whether we were doing the work that was best suited for us. Much of discerning a faithful path includes learning to listen, developing a capacity to respond from your deepest selves, an inner knowing, and then trusting as a new path unfolds. I myself have had numerous seasons in my life when this was the kind of sermon I would have needed to hear. A reminder that I was not alone in my confusion or lack of direction, and that learning to trust God's call, however it showed up in my life, was an important piece of my journey. But that's not the sermon you're going to hear today. Today I want to share some thoughts about my favorite disciple, Simon and how his reaction to Jesus in this moment offers us a reminder that we are being called into tenderness and compassion, accepting God's unconditional love for us. This morning I hear a call to come home to all the beauty inside of us as we are made in the image of God. A call to unlearn anything that keeps us feeling unworthy, to hear in this story an invitation to remember that we are all meant to shine indeed. So let's unpack this narrative just a bit. Up until this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been preaching and teaching pretty much on his own, a solitary ministry. He has started garnering a reputation as he has traveled through the Galilean countryside. He has had favorable reviews, and people are now seeking him out. And today is no exception. People have come to him again to hear his message, and there must have been quite a few because he makes the decision to hop into a fishing boat he finds on the shore and has the boat's owner, Simon, take him out into the water just a little bit before he sits down and then starts preaching, teaching to the crowd that is gathered. But then something different happens, and from that moment, that prophet is never the same. He is no longer a solitary prophet. Jesus turns to the guy who owns the boat he has just commandeered and tells him to head out into the deep water and drop his net to find some fish. And in this exchange between Jesus and Simon— and then their following conversation. These are the moments that have captured my heart today. Some of you know that Simon is my favorite. Let me tell you why. Remember, he's not a disciple yet in this story. In fact, I'm pretty sure he is a complete stranger to Jesus at this point. But he's still my favorite, even in this moment, because his mama never taught him to think before speaking. He simply says what's on his heart. Time after time, and this is the first of many instances that are to come in Scripture during their three years together, when Simon will just say what he's thinking, he will challenge Jesus, he will ask questions that no one else is brave enough to ask. Sometimes he's brash, and in the end, he is the one who breaks our hearts when he denies Jesus, knowing Jesus, not once. Not twice, but three times. So why do I love this disciple so much? Because he is so much like us. He is real and vulnerable and unpredictable and in the end is one of Jesus's closest companions. And that gives me great hope. So back to the boat. When Jesus tells Simon to go out and do some fishing, how does Simon respond? He says two things. First, been there, done that, basically. He explains that he had been out fishing all night with no luck. And then second, for, then for reasons no one completely has ever satisfactorily explained to me, Simon says to this stranger, albeit one with a clear following, well, okay, if you say so, I will go and do as you say. And you heard what happened. The nets became so full of fish that he had to call out James and John, and their nets then were filled to overflowing as well. And then, at the end of all this fishing frenzy, the text says this is how Simon responds. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What I hear in those words is something like this. Jesus, that's your name, right? What are you doing? I don't deserve this. Maybe you think that I'm someone else. I don't understand why you did this and why are there more fish here than we could ever sell. This is too much. I can't stand it. Go away. I am not worthy. And what does Jesus say in return? The text says it this way, Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. What I hear in those words is something like this, No worries. I got you. This is so much bigger than catching fish. I just use that to help you see how fabulous you truly are in every moment. You are a beautiful child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. Let's do this. That's all it took. And with that, Simon and brothers James and John hooked their wagons to Jesus, literally dropping their nets, and off they went to follow and start joining him on spreading the good news. So, what exactly is the invitation for us today? How might this story of the calling of the first disciples help us come home to all the beauty that is inside of us? Well, today we are at the heart of the church season that we call Epiphany. Distinguished preacher and author Peter Gomes describes Epiphany as, quote, the season in which the identity of Jesus is made clearer for all who will look and see. It is, he writes, the most important season of the church's year, because this is the time in which we come to see who Jesus is, where to find him, and what he is all about. I believe that that is true. But, or perhaps and, learning about who Jesus is and where to find him and what he is about I would suggest, is only half of the picture of what we are called to remember during this season of Epiphany. The other half of the picture must be about us, or else it doesn't mean very much and doesn't push us out of our comfort zones and inspire us into radical transformation. In other words, The other half of the picture of why Epiphany is so important in the church and in our lives is because it helps us remember who we are called to be and where we are to be found and what we can be about as followers of Christ. The other half is about trying to wrap our heads and our hearts around the possibility that following Jesus can matter in our lives every day in very real ways through the choices that we make, both big and small, through the relationships that we invest in, through the thoughts that we entertain and the words that we speak, through the dreams that we nurture and follow, and through the compassion we cultivate finding ways to offer and receive God's love in the world. I love this story today because it helps remind me that Jesus did not come to start a church he called well intentioned and marginally competent people with absolutely no transferable skills or letters of reference or cleared background checks. Those people he called to be his students and then his disciples, not because they showed potential, but because they were already from the start of that very first meeting on the beach seen and accepted as fabulous and beautiful and worthy, they were meant to shine, even if they had forgotten that or, in that moment, were fearful. I love this story today because, well, as Gregory Boyles, founder of Homeboy Industry, the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and re-entry program in the world, writes in his new book, quote, Ultimately, The disciples aren't sent out to create an institution fortified with uniformity, just another tribe highly defended against all outside forces. Certainly, Western Christianity goofed up some pretty big ways. It fostered separateness. It bet all of its money on the sin horse. And it relied too heavily on external religious exercises. In the end, he writes, The disciples didn't leave Jesus' side with a fully memorized set of beliefs. Rather, theirs was a loving way of life that had become the air they breathed, anchored in contemplation, and fully dedicated to kinship as its goal. (laughs) And finally, I love this story because it is our story. We too are a community made up of well-intentioned and marginally competent people with absolutely no transferable skills or letter of references or background checks when it comes to being called as Jesus's modern-day disciples and followers of the way of love. It is our story not because we are filled with potential, but because we are already, from the moment of saying yes to following this way of love, seen and accepted as fabulous and beautiful and worthy, meant to shine, even if we too forget and become fearful from time to time. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. You, we, all of us, are children of God. Our playing small does not serve the world. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others as well. My friends, in the end, maybe this is exactly a sermon about vocation and call after all. Maybe as we think about Simon and his response to Jesus, we too can remember our inherent goodness and then choose the path to follow Jesus, awakened with a new sense of lovability, compassion, and tenderness for ourselves and for everyone that we meet along the way. May it be so.